Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. We're excited to have you. Let me make a few announcements before we begin. First of all, last Sunday we received over $25,000 toward our new building. So praise the Lord for that. couple of announcements. There's this Wednesday, there will be no spark. They rescheduled the Lampasas Badgers homecoming parade and stuff this Wednesday. So we encourage our families to go and be a part of that. And so there won't be any spark here at the building this Wednesday. Men, remember next Saturday, the men's breakfast and skeet shoot will be next Saturday, 8 a.m. at Luther Hensley's home. There's a sign-up sheet out there on the foyer table, and we invite you to do that. There's a $25 donation, and that will go toward Young Life and our youth ministry. And so we want you to be a part of that. Even if you don't have a gun, buy you a box of shells, 12-gauge, come you use mine. We'll wear it out. Greeters, if you're a greeter or if you would like to be interested in being a greeter, uh, there's going to be a meeting next Sunday after the second service in the fellowship hall. And so remind yourself of that. As a believer, Jesus said you are the light of the world and salt of the earth. Part of that is standing for righteousness as a citizen. The voting is started with uh, absentee voting and also uh, early voting. November 3rd, there will be voting that will be in our foyer here. But as a Christian, please, we're inviting you to be a part of this election and this voting. A way to be salt and light is with your vote because you count. You can represent Christ not only through your prayers, but your vote. Don't get involved with personalities. Look at the platforms and vote according to which reveal biblical standards for our nation. Christians can make a difference in this election, and our freedoms may literally depend on it. Now, John chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, Jesus says this, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now think about this. Is Jesus Christ still in the world? He's in me. As long as I'm in the world, I am light of the world. Please, participate. Would you stand together with me? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that, Father, you would be with us in power and demonstration this morning. Enlighten and enliven us by your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord, and that you said you are the light for all mankind. Lord, we thank you that you have lit up this world. Lord, you light it up to give us an opportunity to behold you, to see you, to know who you are. Lord, and we pray. Lord, I pray that not only this body, but the whole body of Christ and the world will see your light and will choose to follow you, Lord. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been on a series on beholding Jesus Christ. And there's a couple things I'd like to point out before we get into this morning's message. The first thing that we spent a couple weeks on was just beholding Jesus Christ. And that word behold came from a word, uh, aidu. And depending on where you look at that in the New Testament, it's translated in different ways. It may be translated as behold. It's also uh, translated as see or saw or uh, just experienced, was with. Um, And so all of those things are uh, part of that word behold. And so it's an encounter that we have with Jesus Christ, but it's imperative that we behold him for who he truly is. And one of the things that I hope we all walk out of after this series is over is just that knowledge of who Christ is. And we're going to take a moment uh, in just a minute to look uh, at another uh, aspect of Jesus and who he was. The, the scripture that we looked at before was out of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It said that Jesus was the express image of the Father. He was the glory of the Father. And we're going to see a different uh, aspect here in just a moment. And then last week, we looked at believing in Jesus. And the thing that I hope stood out to you in that message was what believing means. And it means if we believe it, we're going to actually act like we believe it. It changes our behavior. It changes what we do. And if it doesn't, then we don't really believe it. Uh, The example, or one of the examples I shared last week was about my grandfather uh, where he would not drink anything cold. If you were here last week, you probably remember that. But he wouldn't drink, uh, it, it, just if it had come out of the fridge and was cold or if it had ice in it. But my father called me after he listened to the message and shared something, that, uh, another story that I, I was unaware of. But he said we were on a trip with him one time. And we stopped at a McDonald's, and so he ordered a drink and said, you know, I'd, no ice. And, and so it came out, but just in the cup, the temperature of the Coke was too cold. And so he had, and he couldn't speak English, so he had my father uh, tell them that they needed to microwave it. So they put the Coke in the microwave because he was not going to do it. And again, the whole point of that example wasn't the silly belief. It was the fact he believed it. He acted like it was so to the extent that he'd microwave a Coke at McDonald's. And so that's what I hope you walked out from that message with is that you and I myself am reflecting on my belief and beliefs in Jesus Christ. Because if I can look at my life and I'm not acting like it's so, then that's an area that I need to look at a little closer because the truth is I don't believe it. So this morning we're going to get into following Jesus Christ, but before we do that, I want to share a couple other scriptures on who Jesus Christ is, that we might behold him for who he really is. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 1, it'll be up on the screen. But it says, in the beginning was the Word. And this word for word is talking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning was Jesus Christ, the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
And speaking of God the Father, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message that we heard from Jesus Christ. This is what we heard directly from Him, is what John is saying. And this is what we proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness. There is no darkness in God. And as I said, we've looked at uh, Hebrews before that Jesus was the express image of the Father. And he said over and over and over, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus said, I'm light because I'm the example of the glory of the Father. And the Father is light. And then John 8, 12 says, and this is Jesus, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying, I'm the light. I'm not only the light, I'm the light for the whole world. If you will follow me, you will have the light of life. Light illuminates. The only reason we can see right now is because of the light. If we were to turn out all these lights, we would have a little bit of light because it comes through those windows back there. If we were to come back tonight and turn out the lights, we would have virtually no light. And we'd run into things. We'd stumble into things because we can't see, because we're in the dark. Something came uh, to mind to me this morning uh, about two, three weeks ago. Uh, I was going into our room and it was dark and it was at night and uh, I was walking in so I turned on the light and there was a scorpion crawling across the floor. If I'd have walked in in the dark, I wouldn't have seen the scorpion. But the light illuminated the room so I could see what was there and that's what Jesus did when he came to the world. He turned on the lights so that we might see But what we've talked about is seeing isn't enough. Beholding isn't enough. It's just seeing who Jesus Christ is. But then we have to come to a point where we make a decision. Are we going to believe Him for who He is? Are we going to choose to follow Him because we believe who He said He was? Are we going to take action by what we've seen when the lights get turned on? I could have done a couple things. I could have turned the lights back off. No scorpion. It's like the little kids. You know, if I can't see it, it's not there. But it would still be there. The darkness didn't change the fact. I could kill it, or I could just walk around it and stay clear of it. I chose to kill it. I destroyed it. And that, those are the opportunities that we have when Jesus illuminates the world around us. We can see the evil. We can see the darkness. We can see what the enemy is doing when we have the light. But then we have a choice to make. Are we going to join in and participate? Are we going to destroy it? Are we going to avoid it? It all depends on what Jesus directs us to do if we're following him. It would never be to follow along, but that's, we have that choice. Paul said, he's like, you have the choice to do anything. There's freedom in our faith, but why would we choose to participate in darkness when the light's been turned on? We never would if we're following Jesus Christ. So if in beholding Jesus Christ, we accept him for who he is, 
and see that He's the Son of God, the express image of God the Father. He's the way, the truth, the life, the Savior of the world. If we believe all of these things and if we have beheld all of these things, there is a proper way to respond. And one is what we talked about last week, to believe it's true and to start acting like it's so. The second thing is, if we believe these things, if we're acting like it's so, Jesus said to follow him. And so we would start following him. And one thing I want to point out is these can happen in reverse order. You might think, well, you've got to believe before you can follow, but that's not true. We're going to see in, in just a moment in Scripture that there were a lot of people who followed Jesus who didn't believe in him. So you can believe and then follow. You can follow and then believe. You can follow and walk away. Just beholding Him and following Him for a while doesn't mean you're ever going to believe and keep following Him. It just means you had the chance. You had the invitation. You had the opportunity to believe and follow. But we have to choose. We have to decide. And I would say the proper response, the only Good response is to believe and follow. But God gives us that choice. We have to respond. I believe that the verse that we just read uh, speaks of another aspect of the light. You know, we talked about just seeing the things around us, the way that I saw the scorpion, the way that we can see the chairs in the room and not stumble over them. The other aspect of light is it provides direction. You can follow light. From the very beginning of creation, mankind has followed the sun and used it as a point of reference for direction. And at night, they could use the north star and the other stars in the heavens that they knew because they were fixed points of light that you could trust. They illuminated the way. They showed a direction that never changed. And so you could orient yourself. You could orient your path and your journey off of the light. And that's what Jesus said. I came to be the light. And the Father is the light. And there's no darkness in Him. And we're brighter than the sun and the moon and the stars. And you can orient your life around us and walk after us and follow us and you'll never get lost. You'll never be off track if you follow me. So we're going to be looking at following Him this morning starting in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. It says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and He saw Peter and Andrew as He was walking and Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So there's two things I want to point out in this. First of all, is that I don't believe that Andrew and Peter at this moment, they dropped their nets and they followed him. It says right there, in an instant they did. They followed him. But I don't believe in that moment 
They knew who Jesus was. They fully beheld what they were doing or comprehended it. I don't think they came to a saving faith at that moment. And one reason I think we can say that is because you go through the rest of the Gospels and they prove over and over and over that they didn't know who he was. They doubted and it took them a while before they believed and, and really knew who they were beholding and finally would believe. So right now, all that we can say for them is they chose to follow. They saw something in him, something left in their spirit that they said, I don't know who this guy is or what he's talking about, but I'm going to follow him and figure it out and find out. The second thing I want to point out is that I don't believe this was a command. If we just read those two words, follow me, you could take it as a command. But Jesus never commanded anyone to follow him. It's always a request. Now, they chose to follow. The other ten disciples we know chose to follow when he called them. And many others followed. But we also have multiple examples where Jesus was interacting with somebody and said, follow me. And they turned around and walked away. So if this was a command that couldn't be denied, no one would have denied it. So Andrew and Peter exercised their free will in this moment and chose to lay down their nets and follow Jesus. And I want to take just a quick moment and discuss the magnitude of free will. And this, this really just kind of hit me this morning as well as I was praying before the first message. The fact that God gives us free will and lets us exercise it and leaves us with decision after decision after decision, even when we choose to turn away and turn away and turn away. And so often, you know, we'll say, God, why do you let bad things happen? You know, why is the world in the state that it's in? Why is there so many problems? And the answer is because man chooses to do what he wills. Because every government on the face of the earth has leaders who are either choosing to do their own will or choosing to follow God and do His will. The same way that we have the same choice in our own little lives, we get to choose. And I don't know about you, but if I were God, I wouldn't give you the choice. I would have taken it away a long, long time ago. And I know because if I could do it with my own children, I would do it. You know, sometimes we're in one of those things that are like, you're going to do it because I said so. You know, it doesn't matter if you want to or if you choose to. But even with our kids, they get to an age, and sometimes it's not too old, that we can't make them do anything. They, who, what parent knows your child has a will of their own? they have a free will. It was given to them by their creator because they were made in the image of God just like we were. And God has a choice. And he chose to give us a choice. And so what we're in the middle of experiencing right now throughout the world is a world of a mankind, a creation that has the power to choose. And we choose either to follow the light or to follow the darkness. That's it. There's only two. And the magnitude of God's sovereignty that He is still accomplishing every plan, every purpose, everything that He has ever said He was going to do, He's done it in the midst of our choice. 
That makes them <laughs> bigger than we couldn't imagine before, but to accomplish that is even more mind-boggling. His will works in the midst of allowing us to choose, and he'll never take that choice away. And so each apostle that he called, they each had a choice to choose. And so we find Andrew and Peter here using their free will, and they chose at this moment, we don't know who you are, we don't know what you're talking about, but right now we're going to follow you. And Jesus called ten more, and they also chose to follow. And many others followed Jesus as disciples, along with crowds and crowds of people. Most of those people came to behold the miracles that Jesus would do, not necessarily knowing who he was or what he was talking about. They just wanted to see what he was doing. The next passage that we're going to look at is in John chapter 6. And Jesus shares a word in John 6 that, didn't go over well. The people and even many of the disciples didn't understand the message. And we're not going to read the whole chapter, but if you have time this week, I would recommend reading John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 53. It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Even today that sounds disturbing, right? We're like, well, that's just sick. Yet we we just celebrated... That today, during worship, we we drank some juice and and ate a cracker or foam. (laughs) I had foam. I don't know what you had. (laughs) But that's representing the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so now we can make it all nice and clean and neat and even do grape juice instead of wine just to keep down controversy and say, you know, well, well, it's just bread and juice. But Jesus said, no, that's my body, and that's my blood. And that's what he was talking about. And these people couldn't understand that. They couldn't comprehend that. And Jesus doesn't clean it up. He doesn't say, whoa, guys, hold on. Don't go. I'm really talking about juice and crackers here. Because he wasn't talking about juice and crackers. He was talking about his body and his blood. Now we pick up in verse 60. He says, when many of his disciples heard it, these aren't just the crowd. These are people who had chosen to follow him beyond the twelve who were saying, we're going to be your disciples. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He's saying, What if you were to really see me for who I really am? Going back to heaven with my Father. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. 
The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. There are some of you who are following me right now, who are here right now, and you do not believe in me. And he says, because he knew from the beginning those who were not his, who would not believe, and who it was who would betray him. He's not just talking about Judas here. He said he knew who they were. The disciples who said they were going to follow him. And they did. For a little bit. Till he said something they couldn't take. And they chose to walk away. They exercised their free will and said, yes, yesterday I chose to follow you. Today, not anymore. I'm going to go live my own life again. The one that made sense. Verse 65, and he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away too? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed. Peter's saying, I'm not just following you anymore, Lord. I believe you now. I believe you have the eternal, the words of eternal life. And then he says, and we have come to know. We've beheld you. We know you, that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. And he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So there's two things here. First of all, many of his disciples, and certainly the crowd, put their free will to work that day. And they chose to stop following. And they walked away. They turned away from Jesus. And it just points out what I mentioned earlier, that just because we're following doesn't mean we believe. You can be a follower and not a believer. And the second thing is that Peter now has gone from following to believing. He said, where else would we go? In other words, who else am I going to follow? If I leave here, I don't have anywhere else to go. I won't know where I'm going. I'd be going out in the dark. I want to stay in the light. One of the things that I want to point out here, and this is just to encourage all of us, including me, and that is to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ does not mean that we must be perfect. We know that Peter believes here. He says it. And Jesus was quick to correct people when they were wrong. If Peter didn't really believe there, Jesus would have pointed it out. Peter believes. But we know that he's going to go from this day to another day, the day that Jesus is getting crucified, and Peter's going to deny Jesus three times. So we can be imperfect. We can make mistakes and be incompetent and very raw followers of Jesus Christ and still be following. Peter was. The funny thing is, like I said, just believing in Jesus doesn't mean that we 
because it means acting like it's so. A true belief means we're acting like it. So we might believe some things and not believe others. The main thing to believe is that he's the son of God. Jesus is right, and we can believe he's right even if we still aren't walking in that truth. And so on that day, Peter says, I will not deny you, Jesus. So he didn't believe Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He believed Jesus was the light. He believed he was the way. He believed he was the Son of God. But he didn't believe Jesus when he said, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, I believe the other stuff, but that you're wrong. I don't believe you. Of course we know. (laughs) Jesus was right. He's right about everything. But Peter denying Jesus three times doesn't mean that Jesus is going to walk away from Peter, even though Peter thinks he walked away from Jesus. It's a process, a journey that we're on following Jesus Christ. And the thing, the key is to never stop following. No matter what happens, keep following. Even if you don't believe in something, keep following. Because as long as you're following, you're giving Him the opportunity to show you the way. To turn on the light. To see. But for the ones that turned away and walked back into the darkness, we don't know all their stories. By the grace and mercy of God, it's possible they had another opportunity to come back to the light. But they would have had to chose that time. They would still have to choose when the opportunity was given, when they beheld Jesus Christ again, they still had to choose, will I follow and will I believe? In John chapter 21, we find Peter, after Jesus' crucifixion, after his resurrection, after he's denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. And now Peter's gone back to fishing for fish. Remember the first scripture that we read? It said Jesus called them. He was walking by the sea and they were fishing. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they dropped their nets and left them behind. Well, now Peter, after his denial of Jesus Christ, he's gone back to fishing for fish. And Jesus finds him. Peter thinks he's done. He blew it. Didn't he? I mean, he did. (laughs) Even though Jesus said he would, and even though Jesus said, I'm going to pray for you and you're going to come back, and when you do, strengthen your brothers. But in that moment, all Peter could see was the blowing it. I didn't follow him. I ran away. So he's fishing for fish. And I think if we could have a conversation with Peter on that morning before Jesus came and talk to him and ask him the question, Peter, what kind of follower of Jesus Christ are you? He would say, I'm a bad one. I blew it. Incompetent at best. Inadequate at best. I ran away. I denied him. He was, on, he was going on the cross and I denied him. That's what kind of follower I am. And so Jesus, 
in that moment, on that day, on that morning, comes to Peter and he starts making him breakfast and he jumps out of the boat and swims to shore and he has this encounter with Jesus. And usually in this encounter in John 21, we usually focus on the fact that Jesus asks Peter three times, the same amount of times that Peter denied him, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I do. But I want to focus on the last two words, the last request that Jesus has with Peter in verse 19. After he has that conversation, he says, Peter, follow me. His first request on the first day that he met Peter was, follow me. His last request, after he's blown it, after he denied him, after he showed he couldn't do it on his own, he couldn't walk in his own strength, Jesus says, Peter, follow me. Keep following me. No matter what happens, follow me. Don't stop following me. And then in verse 20, they never stop giving us Drama. Peter turns. At this point, they've finished breakfast and they're walking along the beach and John is walking behind them. And, it, and you got to love John. He says, Peter turned. And John's writing. This is the book of John. He's writing this. He says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's a way to describe yourself, isn't it? I'm the one he really liked. John was following Jesus and Peter. The one who, had, who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to him, Lord, what about him? What about John? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What do you care what John does? What does it matter what I, where I take him? And it's interesting to note, what was the disciple whom Jesus loved doing? He was following Jesus. He's like, I'm not going to let you get out of my sight. I'm going to stay with you, even if it's at a distance. I'm going to follow you. And Peter's like, what about John? Jesus calls us to follow him no matter what is going on around us, no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in the government, no matter what's going on in our family, no matter what's going on with our children, no matter what's going on with our parents, no matter what's going on, period. He says, follow me. That's the request that as long as we're alive is sitting in front of you. You have the opportunity to follow and believe in the Son of God, the light of the world, the one who's lighting up the world for all mankind. And every day you have the opportunity to decide, am I going to follow him again? Am I going to follow him again? And he gave us the perfect example of following. 
In John 5.30, Jesus said, I seek not my own will, but the will of the One who sent me. He's God in flesh. We read earlier, He was the Word that was in the beginning before anything had been created. He was with the Father. He's the light. He's the express image of the Father. And He came to earth to show us the way. And His way was taking the free will that God had given Him and saying, it's yours. I'm not going to do anything out of my own will. I'm not going to let my desires in this body of flesh decide what I do. I'm going to follow the Father who's the light. Who there's no darkness in Him. And He's going to lead me and guide me. And that's all that I'm going to do. In John 12, verse 49 through 50, Jesus said that He only said what the Father said. And in verse uh, 31 of John chapter 41, Jesus said, I only did what the Father commanded. The Son of God, who could have done anything that He wanted to do, didn't do anything that He wanted to do. He submitted Himself to the will of the Father. He gave us a perfect example of a follower. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If we're following him, we're always going to be with him. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If we're with him, we'll hear him. We'll hear His voice. We'll know His voice. In John 10.27, Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice and they follow Me. If we're His, we follow. If we're His, we believe. We believe who He really was. The full expression of who He was. The Son of God. The Savior of the world. The light that illuminates everything that we might see. And still, there's going to be people who choose not to follow and not to believe. But if we've chosen to believe, and if we've chosen to follow, then our responsibility is to give other people that same opportunity. To share with them the truth of the Gospel. To show the same light. And next week, I'm pretty sure that's where we're going. I haven't finish that one yet, but I think one of the things that we're going to look at, and I, that was just too much to squish it all into this message, but over and over and over, not only it's not only the apostles, it's not only the eleven who were left after Judas, and then they added Matthias, the twelve, and never hear from him again. I'm sure he did a lot of great things, it just didn't make it. <laughs> but they all say, follow me like I follow Christ. But then there's other verses that say, for those who have believed, follow them. That just the, the regular old believers, people like you and me, they said, follow them like they're following Christ. That's what we're called to do. If we're following Him, if we believe in Him, then everybody around us should be getting that experience. They should be seeing what the light of Jesus Christ looks like and being given the opportunity to behold it and having the opportunity to choose with their free will, if they're going to follow 
And we pray to God, hopefully believe one day that it's true, that it's true, that he came to give all men life and turn the light on for all of us. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, that you lived that perfect example of following the Father, only doing what he said, only saying what he said to say. Lord, and then you called us to follow you. Lord, and I believe you're giving us that chance again today and every day, saying, will you follow me today? Lord, in my prayer for this body and for the whole body of Christ and for everyone that's living in the dark today, Lord, that, that they'll see the light, that I'll see the light. And when we do, Lord, that we'll choose over and over and over, regardless of the circumstances, to follow you. Father, we pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your kingdom is at hand. It's here. We're in it. Father, we pray your will would be done. And we know it is. Every word you've uttered, Father, will be will come to pass just like you said it would. Uh, our prayer is just that we'll see the light. That our eyes will be open. Like Paul, Father, I pray that the scales would come off of our eyes and we would see and we would hear and we would believe and we would follow. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us as we close in worship? We also have a ministry team available to pray with you if you have any prayer requests. Teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay chapter 12 verse 36 says while you have the light walk in the light believe in the light that you may become sons of light Jesus is the light of your world follow him thank you for being here this morning uh, Spark's not going to be happening this Wednesday so we don't have to stack the chairs anybody have an amen <laughs> All right, and today, today is Pastor Appreciation Day, and I think we have a very God-honoring pastor. We do.
there is a there's a fresh anointing on Pastor Chris. There's a fresh, a new anointing on Pastor Chris. Pray for he and Candy and their families. Father, we love you. We praise you. We bless you. We thank you that, Lord, you're the one. You're our light. You're our direction. You're the fullness of everything we're looking for. We pray that you would show us yourself this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 